Hey guys, welcome back to Unpopular. A lot of good stuff to talk about, including my long-awaited Barbie movie review because it finally leaked online because you know that there was no way in hell I was going to go and watch that at a movie theater. There's no way I'm going to go watch a movie that grossed over a billion dollars in a movie theater because that brings out the lowest of society. You know my feelings on, you know, film goers in public theaters these days. I cannot handle the munching, the crunching, the slurping, the TikTok scrolling, just the lack of decency. Basically, the general public, if you go to a movie, especially a mainstream film, the general public will prove to you that 87, 89% maybe of them are not even fit for like civilized, polite society and should be locked up in a sanitarium. So it finally leaked and I was able to watch it. I have a lot of thoughts. You know, it was a weird few days for me because I ended up weighing in on this falling out that the comedian Heather McDonald had with one of her longtime co-hosts. And, you know, I cover her stuff, her antics a lot because, I, you know, she reminds me of Valerie Cherish and I get a kick out of it and I'm a fan of her. So, I like to, you know, cover her. I'm a, I enjoy her a lot. And um, I purposely kind of kept it off my main show and I put it on Patreon and I also went on Zach Peter's show to talk about it. Um, and that was intentional because I didn't want to um, subject myself to a, uh, I don't know, the the uh, frenzy that comes with scandals like this. I just didn't really want to be a part of it, but I still wanted to talk about it. I guess I tried to have my cake and eat it too. And it doesn't really work like that because, you know, I did find myself um, getting talked about on, like, there's a subreddit page that's just dedicated to to hating her. And I was reading through the posts because, look, anytime there's a scandal with these white woman podcasts, and it's very specifically white women, um, I end up going down rabbit holes on their subreddits. Like, it happened to this other podcast, Not Skinny, Not Fat. Um, there's another one, The Toast. These girls, I guess they're Republicans or something, and people found out and went nuts and made hate pages about them. And I read the hate comments because it just I just find it fascinating from a like a psychological, sociological perspective of like, wow, what is going through these people's minds that are on these subreddits? And um, you know, I was reading through the Heather one, I couldn't get enough of it, just because it's crazy, like the stuff that they put on there, there was conspiracies about how she is suffering um, cognitive issues because she fainted on stage a couple of years ago. And they're like, I think that she must have like damaged her brain and that it's explaining her behavior now. People are like looking into her court history to see if she's like filed any lawsuits. Um, you know, people are putting her accounts through Social Blade and she's buying followers, which is not true. They actually don't understand how social media works. Like, they did this with Raquel, too. She must be buying followers. She's gained followers after Scandival. Like, they can't comprehend that, yeah, when people have a public controversy, you get more followers from it. Like, I started following Raquel when Scandival happened, but these, you know, these people sit on their subreddit pages, whatever, and they come up with strange theories and um i think of them kind of like the the people at the the movie theaters that i avoid so i you guys know i'm a i've done many rants about going to the movies because i love cinema and film but i will not sit through a mainstream film during like a evening movie session because there's the people that are in there are just 
the lowest of the low. The last one that I went to see was I saw that movie Megan about the the killer doll, whatever. And, you know, I love my horror movies. And I knew that I was walking into a I was walking into a trap because I was going to watch it at like 7 p.m. on a Thursday or something. It's a mainstream kind of horror film. I'm like, it's going to have the most annoying teenagers and stuff in there. Of course it did. I had to tell these two teenagers to shut the fuck up in the theater. I said, shut the fuck up because they were on TikTok during the movie. Like, I can't deal with it. And that's kind of the equivalent of these subreddit pages. It's really like the dumbest people. And, um, you know, I saw myself mentioned on there and I don't want to act like I was the talk of the town on there and, you know, act like it was some intense campaign against me. It absolutely was not. It was just maybe I saw a dozen comments about myself and, you know, I saw comments about myself on YouTube and everything. So, I went on Zach's show, which was like a live interactive stream. So, it's not that big of a deal, but um, I don't enjoy it. I don't like reading criticism about myself. Um, But yes, I have a fragile ego. It annoys me. Yeah, I don't know what else to say on it. I don't enjoy it. And I can't imagine being at the level of, you know, because I have a I have friends that are influencers and that have been cancelled. And I know people that have gone on reality shows and gotten the villain edit. And then they have, you know, subreddit pages and threads all about them and Facebook groups about how much they people hate them. And um yeah, it's that's a lot. And even when I have the most tiniest fraction of it. I hate it. Um, I also kind of blame myself because I think, what have I done to attract this kind of person to even, like, know who I am or talk about me, you know? So, it does make me think, like, yeah, you have to be careful about some of the topics you talk about or places that you go because people like that are going to are gonna come around. And I, I wonder with some of these trolls, I don't think they even really fully comprehend what they're doing. Like, I think if, um, cause it's all anonymous, right? Especially on Reddit. Cause I joined Reddit recently to use the, um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre subreddit to find out about game updates and stuff. Cause I'm addicted to that game. So I used it for that and it gave me some random anonymous name of like swordfish something. Um, so it's all like completely anonymous. And I think that, you know, with these people that make a thread about trying to dig into Heather McDonald legal history or like talking about a marriage and not just Heather McDonald, I mean anyone, like any of these podcast girls, the not skinny, not fat girl, whoever. Imagine if you like printed those posts out and then you like came up to them in real life and say they're with a group of friends or something and you like read those posts out and like this is what you were doing in your free and these people are like they're on the older side. Um they would be totally embarrassed and I think their friends and stuff would look at them like, oh, are you okay? Like, that's really weird behavior. Like, that's not normal. But I think in the moment when they do that, they don't really even, they don't understand how weird it is because they're not that intelligent. (laughs) They're just not. And there's kind of two types of Karens, for lack of a better word. So, there's there's the woke Zoomer Karens for sure. So, it's, you know, the the 19-year-old or whatever with purple hair that will go on TikTok or will go on YouTube and be like, we need to talk about Trisha Paytas and do a long thing about how, like, Trisha Paytas made, like, microaggressions and why it's problematic and we need to cancel them or something. So, there's, like, that type of Karen. And that type of Karen comes in um, all, well, not, yeah, all genders, gay, well, gay men and women, not straight men. Um, gay men and women, but all different kind of races can be white, Asian, black, whatever. 
And then you have this other segment of Karen, which is more of the subreddit Karen, which is primarily white women, uh, maybe a sprinkling of gay guys. And I'm not disparaging because, like, my audience is white women and gay guys. Um, I mean, not all white women, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's primarily probably white women, moms, gay guys. Like, that's my audience. I'm not shading at all. And you guys support me so much and send me nice messages and on the Patreon. And I know so many of you you know, just by your names and your profiles and we chat and it's all great, except for people that always send me Instagram reels. I'm not into that. I don't find them funny. I don't find TikToks funny. Like, I know that you think that it's funny that, um, you know, Brad Goreski put on a wig and is lip syncing to um, Goodbye Kyle. I don't find that amusing, so don't send it to me. But besides that, I love you guys. But the second segment of Karen, it's all white women. So, it's probably like, you know, and their moms and stuff. And they it's 25 to maybe, I don't know, 45. It's like a certain age bracket. And I don't know why it's all white women. I, I don't know where the conspiracies come from. Um, like, some of the stuff that they type on these pages, it's so elaborate and in-depth of what they're assuming about, you know, someone else's marriage or life. And it's like, it's completely untrue. Like I said, I'm, I'm friendly with a lot of people that have either been canceled or their influencers or their reality stars that had the villain edit, whatever the case may be. And even just for my job, right. That I do sometimes just for the news, we have to cover like this Instagram influencer has got backlash because she posted this and it made people on the internet angry. You know, I have to cover that as part of my job. Is it, you know, am I choosing to cover that all the time? No, but, you know, sometimes you get assigned things you have to do. So, I see the backlash that happens and sometimes I know these people in real life, right? So, I'll see the comments online and it's something very specific about, I bet they're just losing their mind that everyone's turning on them and they're losing followers and their husband hates them and I think they have a mental condition because of like, right, just crazy. And these things are getting upvoted with hundreds of upvotes and comments and people responding with just, you know, armchair psychology wild stuff. And then it's like, I know this person in real life and I know that they just spent the weekend having a great time like out at, you know, dinner and with their family and everything's all good and they're successful and they're making money and they actually, you know, despite your belief that everyone hates them, they actually have like just as many fans, if not more fans and, you know, fans are signing up to their Patreon or their whatever, like, you know, buying their merchandise, watching their YouTube videos, whatever the case may be. And um, yeah, I don't, I just don't understand where it comes from and what the mentality of these people is and how they invent strange conspiracies. Like some of them, um, like around the Heather stuff, there's a lot of things of accusing her of being like QAnon or something, but it's like, you guys are literally coming up with like QAnon conspiracies here. And I'm not even trying to isolate it to the Heather McDonald thing. It's it's anyone. It's the Amanda Hirsch. It's the whatever. It's all these kinds of people and, and the backlash that they get. And yeah, I just find it weird. And um, the other thing as well is there's sometimes there's like a it's meant to be like a well-meaning, constructive criticism, right? So, someone goes, I'm actually a fan and, you know, I just told them that they need to change this about their show or, you know, they need to stop doing this, whatever, right? And I don't get where that entitlement comes from either because I think people now have um, a mentality. And this is another thing that I talk about a lot on here is like people think everything is for them, 
when it's not. And we actually we're actually in an age now where there's so much diverse content and there's so much access to it thanks to multiple streaming platforms, thanks to all different social media sites. Like you can literally find whatever the specific thing is that you really like and you can watch that. But then for people to sort of harass an influencer or a creator or a podcaster, whatever, that they don't approve of something that they're doing and then send them messages of like, you need to change this about yourself. It's like, bitch, it's not for you. Like, don't tell someone that they can't mention XYZ politics or whatever. Like, who the fuck do you think you are? (laughs) You know, like, at the end of the day, I'm not saying that everyone's like a great artist, but all of this stuff, content creation, it is sort of an art form. And of course, there are people out there that they tailor their entire content and their entire personality to an audience, and they will follow the whims of whatever the audience says. And, you know, that's how they make their money. They treat it like an acting job, and that can be very successful for people. But, like, not everyone's like that. Some people just want to do what they want to do, and they just want to attract people that are into that one kind of thing. And then for people to come and think that they can dictate what someone's content is, is crazy. Again, not everything is for you. So I wish people would get that out of their head. And everybody like has the right to dictate the kind of audience that they want, you know, just in the same way they're not creating things for everybody. They have the right to say who they want to support them and who they don't. And actually the audience should listen. Like, There's a podcast called I've Had It. It's really popular. It's these two women. They're like best friends. They used to have a show on Bravo. And their whole thing is going, I've had it with slow drivers. I've had it with humble brags on Instagram. I've had it with people that don't, um, you know, bring snacks on a whatever. It's just anything they can think of that annoys them. It's really popular. And they're from Ohio. And their whole thing is like, you know, we may be from Ohio, but we're liberal and we don't support Trump, and uh, they went on, like, a a rant on one of their episodes once, and they were like, just because we're from the South and we're white women, we're not one of you, we're not conservative, don't listen to us if you like Donald Trump. Like, they just went on, like, a whole thing of, like, they were telling anyone that is, like, conservative not to listen to them, drawing a line in the sand, saying don't ever think that because we're, you know, white women from Ohio, that we're on your side, we're not, we're allies, we're progressive, we love Obama, whatever the hell they said, I don't remember, it verbatim. And I know someone that was a fan of their show who is more conservative, and she sort of said to me, she was like, oh, well, I did stop listening because (laughs) I turned it on one day and they said, don't listen to me if we're not conservative, and they were insulting half their listeners. And yeah, that would be disappointing if you were a fan of their show up until then. But at the same time, if that's what they want, that's fine. There's plenty of shows that conservative people can listen to. They don't have to listen to I've Had It. I'm sure um, they can go listen to, I don't know, go listen to Blair White or something like that, okay? Megan Kelly. You don't need to listen. I mean, Megan Kelly does her rants about what she hates, right? So, just stop listening to I've Had It and go listen to Megan Kelly. Every show that Megan Kelly does now, I've Had It with Kim Kardashian. Like, it, there's plenty of content out there for you, and everyone has the right to dictate who they want around them. Just like, I don't want fucking woke-ass Karens listening to me and being annoying and, like, messaging me some bullshit and, like, lecturing me and trying to educate me. You're not going to fucking educate me, bitch, period. Like, I've made up my mind. And 
to take the heat off of um, the white women, the gays are actually cancelling someone now pretty hardcore. So there's a British singer called um, Roshan Murphy. I think that's how you pronounce her name. I can never get it right. But I'm a fan of hers. She's really great. She used to be in a group called Maloko. I think is how you pronounce that. Don't, I don't know how to pronounce anything, okay? You know how you, like, read things, but if, if you don't hear them, like, said out loud, you're always wondering in your head, like, am I saying this correctly? Um but she's very talented. She makes really great kind of like sophisticated dance music. It's more indie than, you know, it's not like Kylie Minogue. Um, it's a little more alternative than that, a little more sophisticated. Very talented. I owned one of her albums back in the day. She has a big gay following because, you know, gay guys like women that make dance music, okay? If you're a woman and you make dance music, a lot of gay men are going to listen to what you put out. So, she's been doing her thing and her albums always get, you know, critically acclaimed even if she's not at the top of the charts. And she's got a new album coming out. And then she said on Facebook, I think it was in response to someone, she said, please stop calling women TERFs. That is trans-exclusionary radical feminist. So, basically, any woman that says anything vaguely critical about you know, transgender ideology, they get called a turf and they get smeared and they're a bigot and they use that word to really silence women. It's like calling someone a racist, basically, or transphobic. Um, and they've, they've really uh, made that word very specific to women because I, I think that, you know, women are the, um, the biggest enemy because it's, you know, it's their spaces. It's like their gender that's being appropriated for the most part. So, You know, the movement had to come up with something to try and shut them up, and they used it very effectively on J.K. Rowling for a while. So, um, Roshan Murphy said, Don't call women TERFs, and puberty blockers are fucked. We should protect children. Big Pharma are laughing all the way to the bank. That's actually a pretty reasonable statement that most people agree on now. Even in the UK, they had a... uh, a child gender clinic, the Tavistock Clinic. They did a whole podcast series about it. It's crazy. I might have actually talked about it on here. I talked about one of the gender clinics uh, on here that there was a big article about, and I posted a lot about it on my Instagram at the time. And, you know, people, a lot of normal, well-meaning people don't actually um, understand what goes in with some of these clinics and how easily gender transition and puberty blockers and stuff are being prescribed. I mean, people have a false notion that there's so many hoops to, to jump through just to get an approval, but actually many of these clinics are very happy to take your cash and, and sinister places. But anyway, whatever, whether the gender clinics are good or bad, there's nothing wrong with, you know, a woman that I don't know how old Roshan Murphy is now. She's probably around 50. She's a mother, a mother saying that she doesn't approve of puberty block as well. My God, the, you know, alphabet community has come out against her so hardcore. It's been, it's been really full on. And of course she put out an apology, which she should never have, but I think she was freaking out. And she probably felt bad as well because she is like a gay icon. And I'm sure that she supported the trans, you know, adult transgender people 
and drag queens and gay clubs and all sorts of the fucking rainbow mafia. I'm sure she's performed at pride parades and done the whole thing. And she probably thought, oh my God. And so she put out an apology. Of course, they never accept an apology, right? Because they're just bloodthirsty mongrels. So that just made it worse. Oh, she didn't apologize enough. Oh, she's still not sorry. You know, whatever. She's only apologizing because she got canceled. Her record label have basically said that they've pulled all the promotion for her new album and all the budget, so they're not promoting it or anything. And the money that they get from the album, they're going to give to a transgender charity. Now, this is like an indie label. So, you know, it's like some indie queer label. And, um, you know, they've yeah, they've turned on her. I hope she fucking sues that label through their fucking ass. I hope she destroys them. I hope she sends that record label out of fucking business for this. Like, can you imagine you have an album coming out? You said one fairly innocuous comment online, and then you're gaslit into thinking that you said something radical and extreme. That's not radical to say kids shouldn't have puberty block. It's actually a very normal thing that most people agree on. And even if you don't agree on it, you can have a civilized conversation about it instead of canceling someone over it. And, um, yeah, I hope she fucking destroys that label. And, you know, just like the I've Had It Girls, if you don't support Roshan Murphy, don't listen to me. You know, like, go listen to whatever. I don't know, one of those drag queen RuPaul drag race podcasts. There's a million of them. Every fucking drag race girl has a podcast now. And I'm sure they talk about, like, trans stuff and everything. Go listen to that. It's fine. Like... <laughs> I don't fucking need you. I'm allowed to say who I want to listen to me. Um, And, you know, I guess that ties a little bit with the Heather stuff. But again, it's not really just about Heather. It's about all of these women that they come after. The, you know, Amanda, what's her name? Amanda Hirsch and the Toast Girls. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to sit here and stand up for like, all of their content or everything they believe in. You know, obviously I like Heather. I don't care about the other. I don't care about Amanda. I don't know the Toast Girls. I'm sure they have plenty of opinions I disagree on. I don't even like those pop culture shows that much, but it's there's a common thread of like these woke people on the Reddits and stuff. They come after anyone that is not, you know, falling in line with their political ideology. And it's important for everyone to fight back. It's important for me to come on here and say what I'm saying and anyone that disagrees with them because, you know, like, and people to stick up for Roshan Murphy, just the whole thing, because for too long they've gone unchecked and they've been able to get away with this insanity because of political correctness and because of the cancel culture and stuff. They can just come out here and they can make you think, they will make you think that, you know, Roshan Murphy or Heather McDonald or whatever are like, radical extremists for having just really basic opinions on like transgenderism or something of you know like men in women's bathroom like that kind of stuff it's not it's not that extreme um and i'm sick of them trying to gaslight us and make us think that we're like you know we're hitler for saying anything like that especially when it comes from like yeah gay men and and trans women when they're leading the charge against like, biological women on these things, shut the fuck up. And then fucking white women as well, talking about who's an ally and who's not. Shut up. Like, straight white women mums on their fucking subreddit about who's an ally and who's not. Girl, shut up. By the way, I'm not an ally. 
Um, I don't want, yeah, I don't want to be an, I don't want allies. I'm not an ally. I don't want to be associated with the word ally. I I don't care who's an ally and who's not an ally. Um, I mean, that's not really even a real thing. How do do you decide who's an ally? You know, it's just like a vague thing. They're not an ally. So what, is there a checklist that you have to check off that proves you're an ally? Like, shut up. So sick of these people. Um, As I've said in the past as well, drag drag culture now is just for straight white women that watch drag race. I don't want any part. It's corny now. I don't want any part of it. Um, Anyway, let's get into... Some real shit. And you know what? I had such a long topic list that obviously I'm not going to get to once we do the Barbie review that maybe I'll drop another, maybe I'll drop another pod later this week and we can do some of the hot topics. Anyway. Okay. So I watched Barbie and my journey there has been a long one because I was not interested in this movie at all. And I know someone's going to be like, oh my God, he's like being contrarian, pretending that he didn't want to watch Barbie. I don't watch like new movies really that often. Um, you know, I love movies. I love the old stuff. I just don't think there's that many good new ones. If something seems super interesting, I will go out of my way to watch it. Barbie to me, um, did not. And I was, um, really surprised by the interest in it. Like I remember when the trailers and stuff were coming out and people were getting really hyped and I was like, are people that excited for this? And then once it came close to the release date i mean i've never seen a marketing campaign like this in my lifetime i don't think for a film like everything was barbie branded the amount of collaborations they've done is wild like here in my town i had a barbie meal because one of the burger chains that i go to grilled was doing like a, a barbie burger box and i like reviewed the the burger on TikTok, you know, <laughs> like without an, any intention of even watching the movie. I was just curious to try, oh, well, let me eat a pink burger, which of course, a pink burger, it's just literally a normal burger with food dye in the bun, but whatever. And I started to get brainwashed, I feel like, eventually by the marketing, just every day. Barbie, 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 Barbie. Open Twitter, Barbie, Barbie, Barbie. I go out in public. There's a Barbie burger. There's a Barbie collab. Someone just watched Barbie and they're wearing pink and they're coming out of the theater in a cowboy hat and pink boots. And it's like, oh my God, this is wild. And like the extreme discourse around the film uh, fascinated me too, because I saw so many people with really, really strong opinions about the movie. And um, it was all across the spectrum. Like, I saw all the political fighting about it. So, I think it was, like, Ben Shapiro, like, burned a Barbie doll. He's like, this movie's woke, and, like, burned a, a Barbie at the front of the theatre. And then um, one of the leftist news channels that I follow, Breaking Points with Crystal Ball, she watched it, and she did, like, this whole rant from the left about how it was a capitalist um, girl boss film or something. So she's complaining about it as a leftist. Ben Shapiro is complaining about it as a right winger. Then people whose opinions I respect on film, and there's not that many, there's like a small handful of people that I trust to have, you know, good takes on film. Some of them were divided, you know, some of them were like, this is a load of shit. And then others were like, no, it's actually kind of interesting. It's better than you think. So I'm like, okay, I clearly have to watch this movie if it's dividing this many people. And you know what? 
good for you with your marketing budget of, you know, $100 million, however much they spent marketing this fucking thing, getting me to eat Barbie burgers, I'm going to watch it. And it was kind of hard going into it. You know, I watched it here like two days ago, and I was a little in my head that everyone else's opinions would affect how I was watching it, especially the political discourse, because I don't want to have to have all of my you know, art politicize. I don't want to turn on a video game or a TV series or a film and think about what's the hot take going to be? Is this woke? Is it not woke? And it's, you know, it's getting increasingly harder to do that because so much stuff has been politicized, but I'm like, I really want to have a clean slate watching this. And um, it's been two days since I watched it and I can barely remember a thing about it, which tells you how much of an impact it had on me. Um, it's extremely messy. It's really like a hodgepodge of different things, which I guess is better than being generic, but, um, it's really kind of just like thrown together with so much stuff. Uh, and I can see why it was a mess because it's like, it's a Mattel film. You know, I think they're a billion, multi-billion dollar company still. And there would have been like committees for every single joke. Everything that went in there would have had to be approved by, not only like a Mattel board, you would have had producers, you would have had the film studio, then you would have had Greta Gerwig who directed it with her own takes on it. Like, this must have gone through so many different fucking departments for every single piece of it. I mean, it must have been so overproduced. So, of course, it's going to um, turn out like a big gumbo of all this shit sort of thrown together. And I think it wanted to be a lot of different things because, you know, when you put together a movie like this, they know that it's going to be a big hit, or at least they're hoping that it's going to be a big hit. I mean, it's it's fucking Barbie, right? It's one of the, the biggest, uh, most recognizable brands in the world. I'm sure people have been wanting to make a real big budget Barbie movie for a long time. The aim is to make a lot of fucking money. They also know that, like, look, if we just come out and make the most, you know, generic thing possible, it's probably going to bomb. Like, we can't just do a paint-by-numbers generic blockbuster. It needs some kind of artistic vision and creativity in it, but it still has to be done in a mainstream, profitable way. We can't we can't make an art film out of Barbie, okay? We just need to get a little bit of it. So, that's why they get someone like Greta Gerwig to direct instead of, you know, like, Lars von Trier, because she's, like, kind of indie. You know, she's indie in, like, a Hollywood way. She's a feminist. She's sort of like Jordan Peele, right? You know, they they make, quote-unquote, indie films, but they're still mainstream. They're hit movies. They're very, you know, progressive in their ideology, which, which fits into the sort of current status of things and how you need to be. So, you know, Jordan Peele, right, he has the sort of racial politics cornered. Greta Gerwig is, like, now the quintessential, like, you know, big feminist director, right, that you get for all the girl power movies. So, you know, she's safe, but she's still, like, just indie enough that maybe she can add that little bit of creativity they need to put in the movie. So, you've got a lot of cooks in the fucking kitchen, and it shows. It's all over the place. A lot of it feels just like an extended SNL skit. I think there's even an actress from SNL. Maybe there's multiple ones. I know there's one woman that plays this weird Barbie. I think she's an SNL person, because I think I remember correctly, she was the one that dressed up as Hillary Clinton and, like, performed a ballad. And I think she was like John Lennon's Imagine or something when Trump won. I'm like, 
I thought this was a comedy show. Like, it wasn't a skit. She was being serious. I'm like, this is so weird. But <laughs> she was in it. A lot of the movie felt like an SNL skit that was running for two hours instead of five minutes. You can't really tell if the movie is for children or it's for adults. Um, and I think Red Scare had the best take on this. I'm just copying them. But they said, really, it's a movie for infantilized adults, <laughs> which it totally is. And- that's all mainstream cinema is now, really. Like, look at Marvel. And not to just, like, shit on Marvel, because I think it's fine for adults to enjoy, to enjoy content that's made for children. And I think that children's content can be really good. Like, Adventure Time is one of my favorite shows. That's a, you know, it's a children's cartoon. I think it's fucking brilliant. Um, the problem that I have with something like Marvel is that it's not, a niche thing, you know, like it used to be, like comic books used to be a niche, a niche thing. It's cinema now, like superhero movies, Marvel and DC. It's literally cinema. Like my mom will come home and she'll be like, did you watch the new Spider-Man? Like me and my friends went and saw it. I'm like, why is my mom and her friends going out to watch Spider-Man part seven? Like that's not how cinema is supposed to go. Like flashback to like the 1970s, right? My mum and her friends would have come back and they would have been like, oh, we just saw Kramer vs. Kramer. We just saw Midnight Cowboy. We just watched, like, Network. You know, they would have been talking about, like, real, actual quality films. So, that's the problem I have with Marvel, that it became so fucking mainstreamed and normalised as cinema that um, something that really should just be, like, an occasional treat or something fun you might go and watch or something for, like, genre fans, right? Like, superhero fans just to watch. Like, normal people are watching it like these are real movies and they're not watching actual real films. So, that's kind of what, like, Barbie felt like it was aimed at. Definitely infantilized adults. You know, there's obviously a feminist theme there and, you know, a big thing about existentialism. So, the feminism, I didn't really um, understand what they were trying to say with that beyond, like, you know, women can do anything they want, which is a very... Uh, base level take it came off like women are really confused and don't know what they want because at first you know margot robbie she's living in the barbie world everything's kind of perfect and then she starts having thoughts of death and she has like an existential crisis and she goes on a bit of a journey and she leaves barbie world and then when she comes back um Ryan Gosling, who was Ken, he has brought the patriarchy from, because he went to the real world with her as well. He discovers the patriarchy in the real world where like men run everything. Because in Barbie world, Barbie runs everything, right? It's Barbie's dream house, Barbie's everything. The men are just accessories. Ken comes into the real world, discovers the patriarchy, brings the patriarchy into Barbie world and turns it into a patriarchy. And then when Barbie comes back in, she sees what he's done. And all the Barbies are actually, like, really happy under the patriarchy, right? They're like, this is great. I don't have to think. Like, I just have to bring my man some beer and I don't have to worry about being, you know, a female president anymore or, like, a doctor or a scientist because, you know, at the start they introduce all the Barbies and the Barbies are very diverse. You know, there's a transgender Barbie and a fat Barbie and there's lawyer Barbie and there's black Barbie and Asian Barbie and, um, you know, female president Barbie. Every kind of diverse Barbie, which is fine, by the way, sidebar now before I forget to mention it, I wasn't, you know, triggered by the 
progressive themes, okay? I didn't have a Ben Shapiro moment. I wasn't raging about the feminism in the movie. I actually was able to watch it without, um, you know, having a uh, a political meltdown, right? You know, you can I can watch a movie about feminism without being triggered. You know, just because something has progressive themes in it doesn't automatically mean that it's it's super woke, right? One of the biggest confusions which stuck, stood out to me previously was the Resident Evil Netflix series, which I was the only person that I think liked that. And that had a massive negative reviews when it came out, right? Because it had very diverse casting. So they took characters from the video games and they made them, you know, black and Asian and whatever. And um, put some LGBT people in there. And everyone freaked out going, oh my God, Resident Evil's gone woke. But it was not woke. Yeah, it had window dressing of diverse casting. But the villain in the Resident Evil series was a Latina lesbian that ran an uh, a pharmaceutical company that had this dodgy vaccine. Like, the, it was actually anti-woke, the show, but people just got triggered seeing diversity instead of looking at the actual themes of it, right? So, my point is, I'm not triggered by diversity in Barbie, okay? But yeah, all the Barbies are, like, loving being under the patriarchy. They don't really have a problem with it. And then Barbie, Margot Robbie Barbie, and S- the SNL Barbie, they have to snap... Um, all of the Barbies out of their subservient stupor. So they give them this like feminist speech, right? They kind of propagandize them. <laughs> all this like this feminist jargon about, well, women have to be sweet, but they can't be too sweet. And a woman has to be this, but she can't be too much that. And then she has, you know, it's all the struggles about how it's like the hardest thing ever to be a woman, right? So then all of the Barbies snap out of it and they're like, oh my God, what was I thinking being, um, you know, a sidekick to Ken. So then they want to get back their, like, girl power thing, right? Even though they seemed, like, perfectly happy before, so I'm not sure. But so they want to go back to that, which is fine. And then kind of at the end of the movie, they all – Barbie world goes back to pretty much what it was, right? So it's a matriarchy. So the women are running it and they're all doctors and lawyers and stuff again and they're super happy and the men are completely, like, subjugated. So they're meant to be treated like women – are in the real world, I guess. Um, but there's never any like evening out the genders or anything like there's not really any resolution. So I'm kind of like in Barbie world, I'm not, I don't know what the point is with that because everyone seems happy at the start, then they seemed happy when they were under the patriarchy, then they seem happy when it goes back to the so whatever, they seem happy with everything. And then Margot Robbie, she decides to go into the real world now and, um, yeah, I don't know. Then she just goes in. She goes into the real world. So I don't know if it has a very concrete message about what women want. I think it's kind of confused. Greta Gerwig seems confused. If a feminist take is just women can be anything they want, okay. Like at the end, right? There's a scene where one of the um, Mattel creators is like, "We need to just, you know, women can do anything they want, and it's okay to be a stay-at-home mum, but it's also okay to be a doctor." and um, we need to make a Barbie that's just relatable, relatable Barbie, something like that, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, you're a relatable Barbie. And I'm like, this is very Meghan Markle archetypes, you know? Meghan Markle, it's like, okay, let's sink $100 million into Meghan Markle for her to come on her podcast and go, when women are assertive, they're called a bitch. When men are assertive, they're called a boss. It's like, 
I'm sorry, this is a feminist take from a 12-year-old. Are we not going to dig a little deeper? Is there not anything a little more, like, substantial to this? So, I don't know. It was just, like, boring window dressing feminism. It didn't really make me think that much about the struggles of women. I didn't understand what the what the point was. Oh, are women happy? Are they not happy? I didn't get it. Um, the existential stuff, as well, is done in a really kind of surf- surface simplistic way. So... You know, they explain it to you a lot, I guess, again, because it's a mainstream movie. It cost about $150 million. They've made a billion and a half, you know, $1.5 billion, I think, they've made off it. So, look, you can't go and make some indie existentialist, again, like a Lars von Trier film or whatever, Gaspar Noe or something about existentialism and Barbie. You've got to make it kind of interesting. You've got to make it kind of obvious. Sorry, I'm trying to say. But... um. All it really comes down to is, like, life's messy and life's not perfect and, uh, you know, we get cellulite and we get old, but that's the beauty of it. And, and like, okay, again, it's more Meghan Markle obvious, like, stuff that you know at 12. There's not that much more to it. And there's a lot of movies, I think, that have done these sort of similar themes and they've been mainstream and they've done it much better. Like, I just thought of The Truman Show which has a similar theme, right? It's quite similar to Barbie. But, I mean, that's just made so much better. The themes are stronger. um, The plot is a lot more streamlined and smoother. Um, It's more exciting. Like, there's, you know, kind of some action stuff. It's just such a better film than this, The Truman Show. And then you have other stuff like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That's sort of in the middle between. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say it's like, it's certainly not like an indie movie, but it's not as mainstream as The Truman Show, but that still hits all the themes and is you know, really powerful. But the Barbie movie, there's just not that much there. It dragged on too long. Um, the dance numbers are way too long. Like there's a dance scene in the sort of second half uh, where the Kens are all dance. They go to war. They go to war, but it's like a dance off. It went so long, you know, I was actually scrolling on my phone during it and I felt like it had been like 10 minutes and I looked up from my phone, they're still dancing. I'm like, what? Like, stop. This is <laughs> this is too much. Um, the cinematography and the sets, I actually thought it was kind of ugly. Actually, no, ugly is way too harsh. I don't want to say it's ugly, but I wasn't blown away like I thought I would be visually because I actually thought going into the film that... Even if the plot doesn't grab me that much, I bet it's just going to be, like, a visual spectacular. Like, I'm thinking, like, I'm envisioning, like, you know, singing in the rain level visuals. Like, something that's really going to make me be like, wow. And um, it didn't look that good. You know, the the stuff of them in the real world is, that's just, it's just Margot Robbie in the real world in, you know, Los Angeles. And the stuff in Barbie world... Um, I didn't look that beautiful or anything to me. I will say that kudos to them for using practical effects because they could have green screened the whole thing, which would have been completely like just hideous and offensive to the eyes. I like that they did practical effects because so many studios don't um, invest in practical effects anymore. So that was very cool with all the set design, but it just visually i just didn't think it was as beautiful as i expected besides margot robbie's physical beauty she's absolutely stunning and uh she's really good in the movie by the way and there was this discourse online at the time of like saying margot robbie is mid and she's like not hot enough to play barbie 
And he watched the movie and she's so beautiful and she was so perfect for the role and she's so talented. Ryan Gosling was great too. I love Ryan Gosling. Like, I'm a big fan of his. Thought he was great in it. Um, His movies are so good. Like, you know, I actually watched Blade Runner. It's funny. I watched his version of Blade Runner, um, Blade Runner 2049, for the first time this year. And that was a movie that uh, I originally did not watch because- I love the original film. It's one of my favorites, the Harrison Ford one. And when the new one came out, there was a lot of talk of like, oh, it's woke. It's about climate change. And I just thought I can't have the sequel to one of my favorite movies. I can't sit through this and be preached to about, you know, climate change from some woke shit. So, I purposely didn't watch it. And then when I finally sat down and watched it again, it's not even woke. Like, (laughs) again, people like- People think that if there's a um, any kind of, like, diversity or one type of, like, progressive political theme that it automatically makes something woke, which it so does not. Um, and Blade Runner 2049 was so spectacular, just everything about it. And it was a flop because that's the thing. Look, art house blockbusters don't work and we rarely ever get them. And thank God that every few years a studio will sometimes take a chance and sink $150 million into a movie and let it actually be kind of artistic and different like Blade Runner 2049. But for the most part, it just ends up like Barbie. What else? Oh, God, there's a Mattel Cinematic Universe coming out, I think. I saw that on Twitter or something. Jesus Christ. Um, I will say that the song from the movie that Billie Eilish sings, What Was I Made For? That song is so beautiful. I love Billie Eilish anyway. I think that's one of the best songs of the year. That song also completely sums up all the the most noteworthy uh, themes of the film. It's a philosophical dilemma from, you know, Billie Eilish's perspective, you know, as a pop star. So, she starts off singing about how she was really happy and she started out in the music industry and then she sort of realized she had turned into a product and then she starts questioning her own existence of like, well, how much of me is human? And then what am I here for? Am I just here, you know, for other people's enjoyment? Is there anything that I'm, am I, am I on this earth for myself or is it just for other people? And she goes through this whole journey and she wrote the song after watching a cut of the Barbie film and she said that she didn't realize she was writing about herself. At first she was just literally writing Barbie's story and then when she listened to the song back, she was like, oh my God, I wrote my story from the third person without even realizing it. It's also the story of being a podcaster, right? <laughs> you think um, you think everything's fine and great, and then suddenly you see a subreddit of people going, I bet her husband hates her, and they concocted this because he hit his head and he's gone crazy, and it's a plan to make money. And suddenly Billie Eilish's What Was I Made For starts playing in your head and you know, it's like the the meme with the woman with all the math symbols around. She's like squinting because you're just thinking, why am I here? Like, I'm more fabulous than this. But um, back to the song, like, Billie Eilish is a much better artist than Greta Gerwig, for sure. And you also see how important it is to kind of have a singular vision and not so many, you know, people involved in art sometimes because Billie Eilish's music it's literally all done through her and her brother. They write, produce, sing it together. You know, some people think they have a bit of a weird flowers in the attic vibe going on, which I think they do too. It's 
it's a lot. But, um, you know, I love them. And I just think that I think she's like the best. She's the best female artist since Lana Del Rey. I definitely think I don't think she's as good as Lana Del Rey because I don't really think anybody is. But I definitely think Billy is since Lana. There hasn't been anyone as good until Billie Eilish. But anyway, um, you know, it's a very singular vision, really, of two people, um, Billy and her brother. Whereas, you know, Greta Gerwig's Barbie, it's like you've got Greta and then I think Greta's like husband writes and produces the stuff too, something like that. And then you've got like Mattel and you've got focus groups and you've got the film studios and like, well, it needs to be a little bit funnier here, but then we need to put a little bit more of this here and we need Margot Robbie and she can look hot, but she can't look too hot. And it has to be this amount of length and we need these songs and we need these placements and we need to kind of make fun of Mattel, but we can't make fun of them too much where it's going to affect sales and like just it becomes this Frankensteinian kind of like monster where it tries to be something for everyone and then it kind of just ends up not really being anything at all. So I urge you, go listen to the Billie Eilish song. I'm sure you've heard it, but if you haven't, listen to it all the way through it's beautiful. You don't need to watch Barbie. It's all in the song. The Every best moment of the film, besides Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling being, you know, super hot. But besides that, all the themes and all the noteworthy parts is literally all in the song start to finish. Three minutes instead of two fucking hours. Anyway, guys, that's it for this week. Of course, there's always um, content on my Patreon. There's Bravo stuff. I talked about it, Housewives of Atlanta. I talked about Carl Lindsay a little bit. I don't know. I talked about other stuff. I always talk about OC on there. All the Bravo shit is on the Patreon. And then, of course, you know, the whole thing about that feud is on the Patreon. And I am going to actually try and do another episode here um, this weekend. I'll see how much bandwidth I have left. But I do have, like, a lot of fun topics that I wanted to get to. But I don't know. I just had to get through these things today. Anyway, guys, thanks for listening. And... Thanks for your support, and I'll see you all next time. Bye.